Hello, and welcome to our 11th episode of Word of Mouth, an evangelization podcast through the Archdiocese of St. Louis. I'm here today with Liz Vogel, who is a nurse at St. Clair Hospital. I'm your host today, Michael Horn, and it's great to be with you, Liz. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me, Michael. Of course. As I said, Liz is a nurse at St. Clair Hospital and is also a recent godmother and sees herself as a wonderful spiritual mother for others as well. And just before we get started with Liz today, we have a great guest as usual on this show. And I just want to remind our listeners that if you don't want to miss any of the episodes of Word of Mouth of this podcast or any other podcast that the Archdiocese of St. Louis produces, make sure to subscribe to us. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or any other podcast app that's available. Just search for the Archdiocese. Diocese of St. Louis to find us. And then first, once you've subscribed, you're going to make sure to rate us. And then if you could share us with your friends, that would be fantastic. So thank you for tuning in today. Again, I'm your host, Michael Horn, and I'm with Liz Vogel. So Liz, as we begin today, I was wondering if you could provide the audience with a couple pieces about your background and just where you're from and where you grew up, where you went to school and such. Okay. As he said, I'm Liz Vogel. I did grow up here in St. Louis, so I'm born and raised a Cardinals fan. Growing up, I lived in South County, attended Seven Holy Founders for grade school through fifth grade and then went to Sparing for middle school and Lindbergh for high school. I have one younger sister, so I came from a very small family. We were very close growing up. After high school, I did attend college for two years at Maryville, which is here in St. Louis, to study physical therapy. And then the Lord had other things in store for me, so I left Maryville, but I eventually did go back to school. I went to Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio, and study nursing. So now I'm working at St. Clair's Hospital in Fenton on what is 4-4, which is a neurofloor. So I take care of patients with all kinds of neurological conditions. Also growing up, you know, just normal kid, played sports, you know, went through CYC sports growing up. My family loved doing things outdoors. So on weekends, a lot of times we'd go hiking or biking or do things like that. And then every year, we usually try to make a point to go on vacation for a week. And most of the time was in the United States, but we did venture out of the country a couple times. And actually one time, our whole extended family even went to the Holy Land for a pilgrimage, which was very special and very formative in my life. And then just other things that I like to do. I help out with the youth group at Queen of All Saints Parish. So just building relationships with those teens and walking with them and their faith is very interesting for me. Awesome. Well, that's Liz's background. And so now we're going to kind of transition into Liz's faith journey. So Liz, could you just explain briefly or in as much detail as you want the sort of faith journey that you've had through your life so far? So I grew up kind of in a typical Catholic home. We went to Mass on Sundays, but other than that, we didn't really pray as a family or do things like that. I was kind of thinking about this today as an adoration, and I was remembering being in grade school, and we were praying the Our Father one time, and I was like, why do we always pray this prayer? Like, I didn't understand, you know, what the point of it was. So when I got to high school, actually, one of my friends, and a lot of you in the Archdiocese probably know him, Brian Miller, who is the director of the Catholic Youth Apostolate, he and and another friend of mine invited invited me to youth group at a neighboring parish that had a life teen youth group. And so I went for the first time. They were having a Wednesday night. It was a prayer night. And the night was all about intercession. And so it was just everyone went around and said, you know, things that they were asking prayers for. And that for me was a very life changing encounter for me. Before that, I never thought of really having a relationship with the Lord. I mean, I would go to mass on Sundays, but 
I never thought that, oh, he really wants to hear from me. He really wants to know my needs and things like that. So that kind of started me on this journey of, wow, like this is something missing in my life. And so I just, I kept going back and just wanting to learn more about our faith and learn more about who Jesus really was and what, you know, what does he want to do in my life? I remember that being a really profound encounter. And then I also remember my first time in Eucharistic Adoration. We were on retreat in the spring with the youth group. They brought the monstrance in and Jesus was present. And I remember sitting there and being like, what is this? And just being really just in awe and amazed, like just really encountering the Lord's love and being brought to tears. And I was never very much a crier growing up. So it was just a very moving experience. And then from that, like I just my desire to continue growing in love with the Lord was just very strong and wanting to learn more and more. I also found that as I grew in my relationship with the Lord, I really felt drawn to the crucifix and just really looking at that image of the Lord and just his mercy. That was just something for me that's always been very present in my life, just that whole looking at the crucifix. Even today, when I have a bad day, I always go back and look at the crucifix and it just kind of recenters me, Christ and what he's done for me. So through high school and then actually when I went to college, when I was no longer in the youth group scene, that's kind of when I would say my faith really took a new form. Um, it really became my own. I had read somewhere that if you read the Bible for 15 minutes every day, that you can read the whole Bible within a year. So I decided to do that as a challenge to myself because up until that time, I really hadn't read a lot of scripture. And so that for me was just something that became very good. And then I just found myself being at college. I had Fridays off a lot of time. So I would go to daily mass those days and make time to go to adoration and even just take time to pray the rosary and things like that. But even through all these things, I still found just kind of this restlessness. I loved being a normal person, you know, doing great things with friends and family. But yet there was just this desire for more. I didn't know what that was. I didn't know what that was supposed to look like. And so in between my freshman and sophomore year of college, I was helping out um, with Christ Power. And so I was a small group leader that summer, and they decided to do something different. For a lot of people, I know Christ Power was held at the seminary, and it was a week-long service retreat for high schoolers where you'd go out during the day and do service. And then in the evening, there was always some kind of programming. And so that year, a lot of the youth ministers recognized a need that women weren't being exposed to religious life. I mean, the men see the seminarians, you're in a parish, you see the priest. But for young women, you didn't really ever experience a lot of what religious do or who they are. And so not everyone was able to go, but the small group I was in had the honor and the privilege to go and pray Liturgy of the Hours with the Holy Spirit Adoration Sisters, and then afterwards going down to their parlor and talking to one of the sisters, you know, who was behind the glass. And I just remember being there and just the presence of the Lord was just so powerful. I was just kind of in awe of the whole experience. And then my group also had the privilege of going to the Missionaries of Charity and working with them for the day. And they divided our group. Some worked in the soup kitchen and then some went over to the women's shelter and helped clean. And then we were able to pray with them. I remember leaving that experience and just being completely amazed at how their whole life was centered on God and just doing his work and living for the church. And I left that experience. I was changed. But at the same time, I was like, oh, I could never do that. Religious life would never be for me. That desire just kind of continued with me. And so in the fall, when I went back to school, I was in prayer one day and I heard the Lord say, why don't you look at religious life for yourself? And I'm like, OK, where is this? You know, where is this coming from, Lord? Like, what are you doing? And so 
Within the next week, I came encounter with the Sisters of St. Francis of the Martyr St. George, who they have been present within the Archdiocese, so some of you may know them. Great community. So I met two of their sisters, unknowing that, that I would eventually enter. So I met them, and I remember the sisters telling me, oh, you should come visit our community, and, and you know, we have this retreat coming up and everything. And I was like, whoa, I can't even believe that I just told you that I'm open to religious life, much less you're inviting me to come visit and everything. And I just kept praying and started kind of talking to one of the sisters, and so she kept encouraging me to go visit. And so finally over my Christmas break, I went to visit, and I didn't know anything really at that point about the community. So when I got there, the whole time I was driving there, there was just this sense of peace, and I felt like I was driving home, which was really weird because I'd never been there. And so when I got there, you know, I learned about the community and a lot of the basis of the community. I mean, their charism is to make the merciful love of Christ visible and their spirituality is to look upon him whom they have pierced. So, again, that whole idea of Christ being crucified and his mercy was just very present. That was something in my life. So naturally, it was just a very profound experience that weekend. And I heard the Lord, you know, during my time in prayer say, you know, this is where that longing to grow deeper with me will be fulfilled. And so I left there knowing that this is probably where the Lord was calling me, but I still had a lot of surrendering to do. And so long story short, I ended up coming to peace and realizing that this is where the Lord's calling me. So I entered the community I was in for 10 and a half years. During that time, I really I learned so much about myself, about the beauty of the church, just had so many great encounters with people and different experiences. I made some very holy, beautiful friendship. I never even knew what a holy, beautiful friendship looked like until I was in community life. And I went to nursing school during that time and then worked as a nurse for a couple years. And then if you don't know, part of entering a religious community is you go through a time of discernment. I mean, it's a process of community praying for you and you praying. And so you don't make final vows when you enter. You know, you kind of go through different phases. And so I left before making final vows. I was discerning final vows, and there was kind of just this lack of peace. And so I just trusted and that the Lord was calling me to other things. And so I left in the same spirit of entering, you know, desiring to do God's will and to follow his call. And so I left, I've been home for about a year and a half. And, you know, I just really feel that my experience and my time in community life was very formative and helped me to be the person I am today and just trying to continue to be the, the you know, the hands and feet of mercy within the world and just trying to bring Christ within, you know, all the people I encounter today. Now, that is a rich story there. So that's a lot to chew on from Liz about (laughs) prayer life, about kind of involvement, about discernment, about looking at discerning the Lord's will in your life. So there's a ton of things to go with there. So Liz, if you could talk a little bit about what you see as kind of your purpose now working as a nurse, and like you said, being the, the merciful hands and feet of Christ to others, just talk a little bit about how your life is now with blessings, challenges, and where you feel called. So within the church, we really do have a sense of how much we are called to mission. Each and every one of us has a specific purpose that the Lord wants to use us for in life. And so I think for me, I don't see being a nurse as just a job, but I really truly see it as a vocation, you know, being, you know, the merciful hands of Christ. Um, I love the quote. I'm pretty sure it's Pope Francis, but don't quote me on it, that he said, you know, that mercy is entering into the chaos of another. And I really feel in nursing, we experience that so often, you know, here we are, we're experiencing, you know, a person's coming to us in a time of need where there's great, not just physical suffering, but I'm sure there's emotional suffering, there's can be psychological suffering, and then not just the patient, but then also the family and all that's going on in their in their life. And here they come to you and they're 
trusting themselves to you. And so I really see like every morning as I'm going to work, I pray the rosary for the intentions of my patients and their families, but also for my coworkers as well, you know, that I just may be that healing hands, you know, of Christ and be as merciful and try to be that presence. I also think the Lord places people in our life for a reason. So I always try to really be present to the people that I encounter, you know, maybe not just in my day-to-day work, but also, you know, maybe you're in the grocery store and someone just stopping and smiling at someone or you see, you know, you see something about a person commenting on it or, you know, I think a lot of times the Lord inspires us to do these small acts of kindness and we don't even think anything of it, but that can really be bringing mercy to another person. For me too, you know, when I was kind of praying exactly how do I continue to live out this mission or, you know, what do I do? And I think for me, a lot of times it's just trying to be as joyful and as real as I can for people, you know, that when they encounter me, they feel welcomed and they feel that they can truly, they want, you know, open up to me about something or just, you know, to just know that when they're with me, that they're loved and secure. And so I think of the quote of from First Peter three fifteen through 16, you know, where he talks about, he says, always be ready to give an explanation to anyone who asks you for a reason for your hope, but do it with gentleness and reverence. And that's what I always try to do. You know, I so often encounter either my coworkers at work or different people, you know, and they say, you know, you just always seem so calm or there's just something different about you. And I really attribute it to the Lord and just my prayer and just really trying to to be that that reason for hope. So when people ask, that's what I tell them. I'm like, it's because I take time to pray and I love the Lord and I desire to continue to do that. I think for me too, you know, I think we all have a desire to love and be loved. And so that's nothing different for me. My vocation, you know, when I entered religious life, the idea of being a spiritual mother was very present in my life. And that continues to still be, you know, I feel that I can be a spiritual mother to my coworkers to my patients and things like that. But also, you know, I just like Michael said, I just became a godmother a couple weeks ago. And so being that spiritual mother to her and to my my friends. But you know, I think now that that, you know, I still have that desire to be a spiritual mother. But you know, I also am open and, you know, desire to be married and have a family just like most people. I also feel really strongly about, you know, growing up and being in a youth group and how important that was for me. Now, you know, I feel that I've been given those gifts and I pass that faith on to, you know, teens now. And so I'm very involved, Queen of All Saints, with their youth group and just trying to to walk with these teens, you know, as they try to navigate through life and, and try to figure out what exactly does a faith like look like? You know, how do I go through school? How do I do things? How do I live a life of faith in a secular world. So just trying to be that presence. Some blessings for me, I would say, would just be life in general, you know, just being able to every morning wake up, you know, and I think so often we can take that for granted, but truly loving that the Lord has created me and that every day he thinks of me and allows me another day of life. I think also just beautiful friendships and relationships, you know, just different people that I've encountered in my life, you know, and sometimes maybe for years you don't hear from a person and then all of a sudden one day they pop back into your life, you know, and I think that just can be such a blessing. Some challenges, I would probably say, I think for most people, you know, there's always this desire that we want to control, you know, and so often in our life there's so many things that come across that we can't control. You know, we want to be able to do things on our own and we can't. And then I think we all in ways struggle with trust, you know, trusting that when things don't go the way we want, that, you know, God is inevitably in control. 
and that he is a loving father, you know, and that he's always helping us no matter what's going on. So just continuing to go back and love him and trust in him. I think another struggle, it can be very easy to to love others, but we forget that we also need to receive the Lord's mercy. And so I think for me, that's a daily challenge is to continue to go back and ask the Lord for his mercy in my life. Again, receiving the Lord's mercy and saying, okay, Lord, I'm being really hard on myself right now. Is this really what you want? Or is this just me? And I think that can be a struggle for all of us. So just remembering that the Lord in his goodness loves us as we are. Awesome. Brilliant reflections for kind of thoughts for practical advice with it. So it's a rich story to ponder that Liz has. And so in light of Liz's work as a nurse, we are going to focus on two corporal works of mercy for the catechesis and then also two spiritual works of mercy. So the corporal will be to feed the hungry and visit the sick. So first, to feed the hungry, just a couple scriptures to ponder about feeding the hungry as a corporal work of mercy. So from Proverbs 22, 9, whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed for he shares his bread with the poor. And then from James 2, 16, and if one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? And so as we consider feeding the hungry in our own lives, To share food is grounded in the belief that we live in an abundant world where there's enough to go around for everyone. The miracle of the loaves and fishes in the gospel, after all, might just be that the crowd that was assembled shared what they had with each other and all needs were met. That's that's one way we can look at, at how much we have and how much do we actually need for food. How can we live with trust in an abundant harvest that we have and also share what we have while receiving what we need. And so that's what we think about when we think about feeding the hungry. So some things to think about practicing this corporal work of mercy. We can eat in silence and be grateful and truly present to the meal that we're receiving from the Lord and considering that gracious gift that we've been given. Secondly, we can make and deliver food to a neighbor or host a community potluck for your block or in your neighborhood. Third, we can fast from meat every Friday as an act of solidarity with people around the world who go hungry. And fourth and finally, we can donate, serve, or eat at a meal program. A lot of different shelters are in St. Louis that we can serve at in our community, especially Saints Peter and Paul and St. Vincent de Paul. The other corporal work of mercy that we'd like to focus on is visiting the sick, which is something that's certainly ingrained in the life of a nurse. From Luke 10, this passage, But a Samaritan traveler who came upon him was moved with compassion at the sight. He approached the victim, poured oil and wine over his wounds, and bandaged them. Then he lifted him up on his own animal, took him to an inn, and cared for him. And so in this parable, the Good Samaritan, we look at the church who has received the charge from the Lord to strive to carry out the mission of taking care of the sick and also accompanying them with prayers of intercession. So the church believes in the life-giving presence of Christ, the physician of both our souls and our bodies. This presence is particularly active through the sacraments, especially the Eucharist, the bread that gives us eternal life. And so to visit the sick, how do we practically do that in our lives? First, we can research the theology and development of the Catholic sacrament of anointing of the sick that we find in every one of our parishes. Secondly, we can plan a household activity in which each member of the family can be involved in outreach to a sick person in need of attention, whether that's a friend, a neighbor, or even a stranger, someone that we might just want to visit that's in a local hospital. And then third and finally, we can volunteer at a local hospital or a skilled nursing facility. Now, as for the spiritual works of mercy that Liz highlighted in her own life, the two are instructing the ignorant and counseling the doubtful. As we look at those two, we can think about 
what does it mean to instruct the ignorant person? And not to be overly negative in that word, but just to teach people that may not know the full story about something. And so the passage that comes to mind with this is Mark 16, 15, where Jesus calls his apostles and says, go into the whole world and proclaim the good news to all creation, to share this news to people who are maybe ignorant about it and don't understand it or have not heard it. And so we pray this great prayer that Lord, give me the strength and the zeal to explain the faith to those who are confused in my life, who don't fully understand or have misconceptions about the Catholic faith. Give me the words to share your truth with great love. And so we can ponder practically, who has God placed in our lives who needs to know more about Jesus and the Catholic faith? So that's a great evangelization question for us to ask every day. Who has God placed in my life who needs to know more about Jesus and the Catholic faith? We can live this spiritual work of mercy by teaching others about our faith at youth group events or retreats, like Liz mentioned, her work at Queen of All Saints. We can get involved with the local St. Paul Street Evangelization chapter here in St. Louis or your home city. And also we can join a small faith-sharing group to learn more from a community and then share it with other people. Finally, the spiritual work of mercy, counseling the doubtful. And so Liz comes across various people in her own ministry as a nurse who have doubts and who have serious concerns and maybe anxious about the future. But remember from John 14, 27, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. And so we pray, Lord, give me your wisdom so that I can speak words of comfort and courage to those in doubt and despair. Let me be your instrument of love, encouragement, strength, and hope. When have I experienced doubt in God's presence and power, and how do those experiences lead me into a deeper faith and trust? And so as we look at the doubts in our own life, and as we minister to those who are having doubts with their own faith and in different situations in life, we can really take some practical measures, again, to live this work of mercy of counseling the doubtful. First, by listening to those who are burdened with sorrow and worry, truly listening to them, putting the cell phone away or another distraction, and just being present to them, and not walking away from someone who's crying or looks lonely, even if they're a stranger, just to be there for that person who might be crying or distressed. Secondly, we can pray with others on the spot and show them that you believe in the power of God to hear and answer prayer in that very moment. And then third and finally, you can invite a friend to pray the rosary with you or to go to adoration with you and to lift up in intercession those people who are struggling with doubts in the faith. Even the most faithful souls at times struggle with doubts about various things in life or their faith. And so those four works of mercy are very powerful examples for us. All of that comes from the catechism and scripture and just the beauty of living those works of mercy, spiritual as well as corporal. So I just invite you to think about those practical considerations for living those works of mercy in your own life as you work to evangelize and to bring the gospel to different people, whether they're having doubts or they're ignorant about something or they're in need of food or they're, they're struggling with some sort of sickness. Now we conclude our session today with Liz's thoughts on what evangelization is at its core, and then just offering us some practical advice as we go forth. Well, thank you. Obviously, the corporal and spiritual works of mercy are, have always been very important in my life. I think that's a big part of evangelization, is sometimes it's not even just in our words, but in our actions. I think a big thing a lot of times is just really being rooted in prayer. You know, sometimes we feel that we have to have these really big conversations or how am I going to approach this, but just go to the Lord in prayer. I mean, I think a lot of times those things will just happen naturally. You know, if a person opens up to you and asks you a question about something, take that time. And maybe if you don't know the answer, you know, maybe they're asking you a question about some kind of doctrine within the church or just something they don't understand and you don't know the answer, 
a lot of times people are okay if you admit that you don't know, but then take the step further. Like take that time to go, oh, I don't know this. Take this as a time, an opportunity for you to even grow and understand the church teaching and then tell the person, you know, I don't know, but I'm going to look into that and I will get back to you and then follow up on it because I think that will impress somebody too. You know, if you're actually following up like, oh, they were really listening to me. They were really present to what's going on. Um, I think also just a lot of times building a relationship with a person and just kind of understanding them, getting a sense of where they're coming from, because the majority of the time, and at least in my experience in encountering people, is that people always are seeking good. Like people don't, people aren't trying to be bad people. You know, maybe there's in their life, they've not had good formation, or maybe they grew up in an experience where they didn't have a father in their life, or they didn't, you know, there's, there's so many different things as to why people are the way they are. So I think a lot of times first is just getting to understand the person and where they come from. And then eventually, gradually, as you get to know them more, then you're able to start opening up about different things and and sharing with them about an area where you think, oh, you know, this part of our faith or or this, you know, maybe can help them in some way. Um, a lot of times too, I think it's just offering that listening ear. I think a lot of times when people come to you about either frustrations or struggles or questions they may have, a lot of times people don't necessarily want you to solve the problem. They just want you to be present. They, you know, they want you to be able to be with them, to share in their experience. Maybe you're not solving the problem, but maybe at that point, you know, maybe they've never had anyone pray with them before. So maybe if you're, if you're, that's a comfort level for you, you know, taking that opportunity then to pray with them. Um, I think also just being able to be joyful. We're called as Christians, you know, we should be a people of joy. I mean, the Lord was risen. You know, the, the crucifixion is not the last word. So I think not in the sense of that we always have to be happy-go-lucky and everything, but having that true inner joy and peace. And I think that speaks volumes to people when they see you having, you know, hope. I talked about that earlier, having that explanation for hope, you know, not being a people of despair, but really trusting in the Lord and his mercy. I mean, he has conquered all, you know, in, in his death and resurrection. There's nothing that the Lord can't be victorious in in our life. So just being able to explain that to others. I think just also in my experience, a lot of times too, it's not always looking at things in the perspective of the world. Um, I, I like in Romans 12 where it talks about, you know, not conforming yourself to this age, but being transformed by the renewal of your mind that you may discern what is the will of God, you know, what is, is good, pleasing, and perfect. And I think a lot of times, in our life as evangelists, in our day-to-day things, we need to take that time to truly discern and pray and, and ask the Lord, how do I approach this conversation? You know, maybe you know you're going to be having a conversation with somebody that day or or you foresee that something may happen. Lord, how do I approach this? Or this person has come to me with this. What do I do about this, Lord? Like they've entrusted this to me. How do I, how do I approach it? You know, I need, I need your grace. I need your guidance. And if I think if we stay rooted in prayer, the Lord will bless that. I mean, I can tell you how many times in my life where I did take that opportunity, you know, to, to pray for somebody that maybe they shared something with me and the fruits and graces that came from not even necessarily having a conversation with them, but just taking that time to pray for them. And then, you know, there have been times where maybe I wasn't rooted in prayer and I can tell that my conversation with someone was not good or that when I left, I did not feel that they had encountered the Lord's mercy. So just really, I think more than anything, that would be my advice is just continue to take time to pray and to be present. 
awesome reflections from Liz. Thank you so much for your You're testimony welcome. today. A lot for us to chew on, a lot of great thoughts for us as we go forth to be evangelists in our own prayer, and also to look at the works of mercy again, and just to look at how can we have conversations, build relationships, accompany people on the journey, and even if we don't always have all the answers, just to be present, to hear the other side of things, and then also to, to be diligent about looking up the answers that our faith has provided for us. And so I just remind our listeners just to subscribe to our podcast when you have a chance. Word of mouth again with the Archdiocese of St. Louis. I'm your host, Michael Horn. I'm with Liz Vogel today. God bless you all. Thanks.